Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Popcorn Chronicles. This is episode two, and this week we're going to talk about inspiring sports dramas. I picked the movies Air, Rush, and 42. So we'll start with Air, because that's the newest movie, and it's just like it sounds, A-I-R, one word, came out in 2023, it's rated R, does have a runtime of an hour and 51 minutes, and interestingly, this is an Amazon original, which means it'll be available on Amazon Prime. And as a bonus, this movie is a great example of why I had previously mentioned that I didn't want to just focus on older movies or only theatrical release movies, because if I had did that, I'd miss the opportunity to talk about a great movie like this. And years ago, back when these platforms first started streaming their own movies, there was a school of thought like, well, these aren't real studios. They're not going to come up with anything worthwhile. But case in point, these studios can release just as good a film as anybody else. So my encouragement here is maybe try some of these if you haven't, because I would say every single one of these platforms that I've mentioned has at least enough good content worth warranting a month's subscription. So Air takes place in the 1980s, and it's actually not a biopic about Michael Jordan, but moreover a story of how Michael Jordan got his endorsement with Nike. For those who don't know, the very famous basketball player, Michael Jordan, has a line of shoes with Nike, has for over 20 years, and they are called Air Jordans. They were named after him. The story setup is pretty simple. Matt Damon plays marketing executive named Sonny Vaccaro. He was a real guy. It's a true story. He plays opposite Jason Bateman, who also works for Nike. And Ben Affleck plays the CEO. So those are kind of the main characters. And they're kind of having these conversations in their boardroom about how their budget sucks and they don't think they're going to be able to get the players they want to get. So what's the next best thing? So the main characters in the film work for the sale and marketing team at Nike. So when I say players they want to get, I mean players they want to sign for an endorsement. Matt Damon goes home and he's watching this footage from when Michael Jordan is a freshman. And he gets all jazzed up and he says, no, man, we're looking at this the wrong way. We don't need to spend the budget on three or four average guys. We need to go for the best guy. But at this point in time, in 1984, it's made very clear that the Nike's basketball division, which Matt Damon works in, is not doing well. So he's trying to shake things up with something big. The problem is Michael Jordan is the player that everybody wants. And his agent knows that. So Matt Damon calls up Michael Jordan's agent and he says, hey, man, I just want a seat at the table. Just get me a meeting with him. And the agent says, no, man, he's not interested. He doesn't even want to meet with Nike. No chance. Forget about it. And usually when you have these triumphant victory stories, they arrive at that conclusion because somebody was just unwilling to take no for an answer. And that's what we get here in Matt Damon's character. So he goes around the agent and goes to meet with Michael Jordan's parents directly. So Michael Jordan's mother, Dolores Jordan, is played by Viola Davis. And she's great in everything. No exception here. So in this conversation with Matt Damon and Viola Davis, he's able to convince her that Nike should get a meeting with Michael. So in addition to Nike wanting Michael Jordan for their celebrity endorsement, they decide to create an entire shoe line around Michael and name it after him as well. So they design this beautiful shoe and they give it to him in the presentation. They tell him they want to create this whole line of shoes after him and call it Air Jordan. And throughout the whole film, you get this impression that Matt Damon's character, Sonny, is really all about being you know, true to himself and his feelings. And you can kind of tell about halfway through the meeting, he gets this feeling that it's not going well. It's kind of wooden and he can kind of tell, okay, we're losing him. So he just shuts off the projector and he shoots from the hip and he starts giving this amazing speech. And I won't spoil it, but it's really good. 
And what I found interesting here is even in the midst of this great speech that Matt Damon's giving, they don't actually focus on the actor playing Michael Jordan at all. They don't even show his face. So it's not about Michael Jordan's upbringing or his basketball career. It's more of the perspective of the executives at Nike and this unprecedented endorsement deal that changed endorsement deals from there on out. So as you might have guessed, Michael Jordan decides to sign with Nike. But the real game changer here is the conversation that's had with Michael Jordan's mother and Sonny Vaccaro, because before they close the deal, Mrs. Jordan says that she wants her son to have a percentage of all the shoes that are sold that have his name on them. So Michael Jordan becomes the first athlete of any kind to have a marketing deal restructured in this way. So I like that this story is the definition of a game changer because not only did it change things for Michael Jordan, but it changed things and paved the way for every athlete to come after him. And to this day, Nike still rakes in over a billion dollars from Air Jordans every year. That means Michael makes a half a billion dollars a year in passive income from his Nike deal. So to sum it up, I'd still love to see a great biopic about Michael Jordan, but I liked this film because it's a fun throwback to the 80s. It's well done. It's well cast. I like seeing the rivalry between the shoe companies at the time. And I'll be the first to admit, I love an underdog story. I think we all do. And that is one of the overarching themes of this film is someone who refused to take no for an answer and just kept searching for that yes. The other overarching theme here is historically changing the way things are done. There's a lot of times in history where we can look back at one single moment and say, yeah, that's when the game was changed. And this is definitely one of those for celebrity endorsements. And for some people, they might not care about the sports industry or athletic endorsement deals. But I found this to be an interesting part of history. And that brings us to our second movie called Rush. Rush is a movie that was released in 2013. It's rated R with a runtime of two hours and three minutes. I don't usually specifically point out directors, but I do want to say that this film is directed by Ron Howard, and I think it's one of his best. You might know the name Ron Howard because he directed Apollo 13. Now, I know not everybody takes watching movies as seriously as I do. I say jokingly. So I know that there may be films I recommend that people might say, you know, it's really slow and it's kind of boring. I don't get it. And so to each their own. But I will say I'm not into Formula One racing. This is a race car movie. That's not a subject I care about at all. But the movie is so good that for me, not once in the film does it seem boring, not once does it drag on, and it's really just one that I would say I'd watch over and over again. So the thing all three movies this week have in common is that they're sports films, but they are also true stories. So the film is about two Formula One race car drivers. The main actors who play the drivers in the film are Daniel Bruhl, who is in Captain America Civil War and Inglorious Bastards, and Chris Hemsworth, who you'd of course know from Thor and the other Marvel Avengers movies. So the movie is pretty linear because it follows a set period of events during the 1970s when these two were competing in the Formula One circuit. So when you talk movies, you might hear somebody mention the pace of the movie. And I don't think that always means how quickly the scenes are going from one to the next or how the speed of the film is progressing along. And for you to be, as an audience, emotionally invested in the journey of the characters, I think you really have to have enough time during the film to make that journey with them. And that's where the pacing comes in. Something I think is always a mistake in movies is when the audience doesn't have enough time to care about the characters or get invested in their journey before they put in a major plot twist or something really serious happens. 
but this movie does a good job of giving us enough time to know and like them. So in Rush, Daniel Brühl plays Nicky Lauda. Nicky Lauda is this very serious, very studious, by-the-book race car driver. He's always practicing, he takes safety very seriously, and he's not a party animal. So he falls for one girl, and he gets married to her, and he kind of settles down real early in the film. And on the polar opposite of that, you have Chris Hemsworth, who's playing James Hunt, and he takes nothing seriously. So he's very reckless and very careless, he's always partying, and he's a ladies' man. So James faces a number of setbacks. He goes through an ugly divorce, he has to find new financial backing because his sponsor drops him, and in the meantime, Nicky Lauda's just getting better and better because all he's doing is practicing. So all of this rivalry and competition comes to a head at an important race, well, about two-thirds into the film. So on the day of this big race, there's inclement weather, and the officials of the race are discussing the fact that even in the most ideal conditions, the track is very dangerous. So they want to cancel the race, and they put it up to a vote for all the drivers. Nicky Lauda is the sole voice of opposition that says, this is not safe, we should not race today. But James knows that Nicky currently outranks him, and if he doesn't race, he won't get the opportunity to surpass his scores. So he kind of riles up all the other drivers and persuades them to push on. So the race takes place, and Nicky has a really bad crash where he's burned all over his body. So Nicky's wife is by his side, but he is going through a really rigorous and painful recovery. But he has this determination, and Daniel Brühl does such a good job at playing this character. The storyline here is pretty basic, but it's a really good movie. And I think the reason why it's elevated to being such a good movie is because of the interaction between these two actors. I mean, the film is solely carried by the performance of these two gentlemen. So in summary, after Nikki's injured, we see a change in James Hunt's personality. We see him start to understand racing with a bit of a different attitude and a different gravity. So with Nikki, the overarching theme is the dedication and passion to his sport and just never giving up. I would credit that as being the overarching theme. But also, with his reconciliation at the end of the film with James, I think we see that people can change. So the themes of repentance and forgiveness are in there too. And the film's composer, Hans Zimmer, does a wonderful job of tying those themes in with music. So for copyright reasons, I wasn't sure if I could include it on here, but I will put a clip of the soundtrack on the Instagram. As of today, February 3rd, Rush is available to stream on Netflix. And for our last movie this week, a baseball film, 42. Forty Two came out in two thousand and thirteen. It's rated PG thirteen. It's got a runtime of two hours and eight minutes. For those of you who might have guessed, it's about Jackie Robinson, whose number was forty two, professional baseball player in the nineteen forties. In the film, Jackie Robinson is played by Chadwick Boseman. Now you might not know the name, but you would definitely know Chadwick from his role as Black Panther in Marvel's Avengers. He also played James Brown in a biopic about the musician entitled Get On Up. However, of all of his movie roles, his performance in 42 is my favorite. Other notable films from this director, Brian Helgeland, include A Knight's Tale from 2001 and Legend with Tom Hardy from 2015. Both of these are good movies. So the beginning of Jackie Robinson's career is towards the end of the 1940s. At this point in 1947 in the United States, he becomes the first African-American player in Major League Baseball. As a side note, fun fact... 
Not only was he the first African-American player in Major League Baseball, but the title of the film is a reference to his jersey number, which was universally retired across all Major League Baseball teams in 1997. So this means nobody else can ever use the number 42. And as it stands to this day, he's the only player who's ever had that honor. So Harrison Ford co-stars here in this really endearing performance as the Dodgers owner, Branch Rickey. So Branch meets with a sports writer by the name of Wendell Smith, and he talks about wanting to recruit a black baseball player. So this sports writer suggests Jackie Robinson. So Jackie starts out with the Montreal Royals. So there's parts of the film that are really tough because it doesn't shy away from the racism and the accuracy of what it would have been like in that time at all. So in the background with the Royals, he's training to be a first baseman, and then he moves up to the Dodgers, and he encounters the racism pretty much right away because some of the players draft a petition saying, we don't want to play with this guy. So we see the decisions on either side of that line here because we see the people who are actively participating in the racism of the time, like the players who refuse to play with him, and then the manager who's standing on the right side of things saying, no, we're not going to tolerate that. So if you refuse to play with Jackie, you're not going to play at all. The most upsetting display of racism, however, is the interchanges that occur between the Phillies manager, Ben Chapman, who's played by Alan Tudyk, and Jackie Robinson. You can't really imagine what it must have been like for him to endure that and just have to turn the other cheek and do his best to remain professional. Because at the beginning, when Branch Rickey sits him down to sign him, he tells him, we're going to go places where people are going to be racist and we'll do our best, but there's not a lot we can do about it because that's the way they do things down there. So by this point, Jackie's receiving hate mail from fans in cities that are angry that he's there. In one of the games against the Cardinals, one of the players spikes him on the back of the leg on purpose. So the team's angry because at this point, the players have kind of rallied around him and they've seen and kind of understand what he's going through and he's made some friends. So at this point, they're saying, no, we want revenge. You know, this isn't right. But he says, no, we have to go on. Let's focus on winning the game. So he's a consummate professional, no matter what, through the whole thing. So the climax of the end of the film is Jackie hits a home run against the Pittsburgh Pirates. This helps the Dodgers clinch the National League pennant and they go to the World Series. Jackie Robinson's story was already a great one, so the film didn't need much for it to be good, but it does accomplish that by the casting of Chadwick Boseman and Harrison Ford. So I would say it's a very good movie. So 42 can be found on Amazon Prime and HBO Max. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week's popcorn.